0: I really do believe that it's a race to become the most AI optimized business in your field. What used to take a company 12 people can now take a company five people to do. If you didn't know, mid-journey, that company's only eight people total, and they're doing billions of dollars in use by everybody I know in the AI world. And so it really is like finding existing businesses that work right now, and then just going through every single step of their process and finding different ways to integrate the AI into that company. That's what we're doing with a real estate friend of mine, and we've already found a way to like lower his processing time and workforce by 25%, which is not good for a lot of people because where we get to the conversation is taking a lot of jobs. But this is the reality of the world. And if you're not the one learning this skill, how to integrate this into companies, you're next on the chopping block. I don't mean it in a scary way, but it's business. And that's how things are happening right now. AI can write emails better than us now. It can respond 24 seven auto GPT can book my calendar, book my zoom calls, book my podcast, for me. Why would these companies not be doing that?
1: Happy Thursday, everybody. Sam Chubowski here, co-founder of Motion.io and host of this podcast. Very excited today to have Brett Malinowski joining us on the show. Brett is a 26-year-old futurist that covers new technologies and the opportunities that come from them, helping aspiring entrepreneurs build businesses of the future. So, Brett, let me ask you first, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. My day is just starting, but it's a beautiful day here in Arizona. Nice. You're in Arizona, not too far from me. I am out here in Denver. That's like, what, an hour and a half plane ride? I
0: grew up in Kansas City, so I've made plenty trips over there.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. My wife and I, two Christmases ago, flights were super, super expensive expensive and we had actually originally booked flights for each of us round trip it was like eighteen hundred dollars to fly the flights were terrible too it was like 24 hours to get from denver to pennsylvania where i grew up kind of out in the middle of nowhere and we had just gotten a tesla and we're like well gas is free for us right now because the supercharging at that time is still free and we're like why don't we just drive and we did it and that drive across kansas holy cow that takes a long time
0: it's so boring (laughs) There's literally nothing to look at. It's just flat.
1: Yeah. And it takes about five hours longer than you think it would. But, uh,
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't realize how big the country is. So you drive across that whole state and it's like 10 hours. Oh, yeah.
1: So, Brett, I came across you on YouTube. And we were just talking about this a little bit before I hit the record button here. But a lot of what you cover, and I believe what you are doing now at WGMI Media, is you know you are covering AI, you are covering all of the crazy things that are happening there. Uh, and I was really excited to have you on as a guest here today to talk about some of this stuff. Because with AI, I feel like we have had this rate of acceleration, not only in the last year, but within just like the last three months where things are just going nutso right now. So if you could start off by telling me just like what got you into artificial intelligence and all of the things that are happening right now in the first place?
0: Yeah, so I have to say I'm a trend hopper. I mean, AI is like nothing new, but when it ChatGPT came around, I've been following Sam Altman for like years because he was like the head of Y Combinator, yep. just studying entrepreneurship from him. And then when I saw him tweet, that ChatGPT came out. It was just mind-blowing. I tried it that first day. And before that, I was covering more Web3. So I've already been in this more so like modern new technologies sector and i saw a ton of overlap with the web 3 audience with ai and it just makes sense to cover because i have a media company there's a lot of popularity there's overlap and ai is going to be literally everywhere like every single human being that has any sort of technology can benefit from it and so it just made sense it's just interesting to see because there has been like past hype waves with AI. I remember being in college in 2018 and it was like all the rave every headline was AI but there was no products. And so now there's actually active products that every human can use. It just seems like the right time to be covering this.
1: Yeah, and it was insane to see the rate of adoption that ChatGPT had. And they've been working on that what for Five, six years, maybe. Oh, yeah.
0: And their GPT-3 model has been around for like over a year and a half. So, like, people could have relatively made their own, but since they made it such a simple product for anybody to use, it just like, what, what do they get? 100 million users in the first month. It was like the fastest growing app ever. So, yeah, it's kind of impossible to grasp how fast things are moving, but it's time to change.
1: Yeah. So, with the Web3 stuff, and when I think about Web3, like, the first thing that comes to mind is immediately crypto. And then right after that is like nfts how would you think about crypto nfts and then ai out of those three what do you think has the most staying power
0: yeah so i'm much more a believer of the nft side because it's just digital ownership people when they think of web3 i think they ask someone what it is and they get a bad (laughs) they get a bad definition but it's just a digital ownership layer just you own things on the internet that's what nfts allow And those NFTs are interoperable, meaning they can communicate on any website that you're on. And so AI has been expediting the need for NFTs in the sense that AI can create any image of anything and you can't trust anything anymore. So like, how do you know if this is a deep faked image of a celebrity saying something or how do you know if this is actually the real celebrity doing something? That's not going to be possible without blockchain technology. And we're seeing that with Twitter right now twitter is like going really heavy on proving that you're a human on twitter like that's why their new verification system is paid so they can tie your name to your credit card to make sure that you actually are a real person and so the way that you can do that at scale is only through blockchain and nfts and that's actually sam altman has like another company called world id world coin that is doing that exact same thing digital ids that are nfts on a blockchain To prove that you're human, it's human made content on the internet. So I think they're both going to be used by every single person in the world. And they're both monumental.
1: That is a fascinating point that I've actually never read or heard anybody describe much less describe it so eloquently that the need for NFTs can be driven by AI technology, because I immediately think, oh, yeah, if you are generating an image using AI using something like mid journey, right? How do you prove that it was you? If you are a graphic designer, how do you prove that you created something versus the AI created? Because how does the ownership of that even work? Like, if I am creating something with an AI program, does part of the ownership go back to the AI program?
0: I think right now, These AI companies are just public domain or free use. That's what they're going after. So they're just training all the AI on everything in the public because they think it's a greater good for society. And so they're kind of just looking past the legality and it is kind of impossible to prove. And I know Stable Diffusion, you do have the option as an artist to opt out of their training. If you don't want your art included in there, you can just specifically go in and opt out. But that onus is on you. They're going to do it if they can until you specifically say no. But I know they are in a huge legal battle with uh, like stock footage companies like uh, Shutterstock, I believe, or I don't know which one it is, but they're facing that problem right now. I think most people are going to get over that. I think that's going to have to change the IP rights, but anybody can use the tool and then benefit from the
1: outputs, I think. Interesting, interesting. I mean, it presents a bunch of legal challenges. Our own government here in the United States, I think is really struggling with it, but it's like AI (laughs) is improving far faster than anybody could try and pass a bill. I've seen people suggesting we should have a AI project approval process that mimics the FDA, where if you have a new drug that you Mm -hmm. develop you have to go through FDA approval, something like that for AI. If we want that, that is years away. I don't want that personally, but it's years away anyways.
0: You just have to think like, it's not an easy concept to grasp. It's not an easy concept to like double check. You would need like a reporting or regulating body that's equally as intelligent as the people creating (laughs) that AI. And these people are like the smartest people in the world. So I don't see that slowing us down anytime soon, which is scary, but also like a free market is what we're based in America. Yeah. So I don't know what, there's so much uncertainty.
1: These are also the people that can't even figure out what TikTok is. Do you think they're going <laughs> to figure out what AI is?
0: Yeah, that's a whole prominent of itself. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: One of the things that has made news the last couple of weeks or so is auto GPT. Could you talk about that a little bit and kind of the opportunity that you see there and just generally like what auto GPT is for our listeners?
0: Yeah, so it's pretty much in the name. They're just like automated agents, as they say, that can basically complete tasks and prompt themselves. So chat GPT, you have to prompt it, meaning you have to ask it questions and ask it follow-up questions. Or if you wanted it to do any actions, all it can output is words. Where this is like a chat GPT that you can install into your computer console, which can then prompt itself and actually take actions within your computer. So if you say, hey, locate me a file, it can go through and find a file. And then you could say, hey, locate me these files, upload these to the internet, and get me a date this weekend, a dinner reservation. It can do all of that automatically without having to prompt each individual step. You can give it an action and it will automatically take those actions by prompting itself, which is really interesting.
1: And this type of automation, Brett and I were talking a little bit about this on the call, we're thinking of some of the things we could do even at motion.io, where if there's a motion agent, you could say, hey, build me a workflow for my process of designing websites for people. Build this workflow that sends a onboarding form. Here's the information I need. Here's what the follow-up emails look like and kind of automate that process from end to end. Now, we're a little ways off from anything like that, but interesting to kind of conceptualize some of these opportunities. With the sort of broader AI spectrum, and I know this is something that you talk a lot about in your content, what do you think are some of the big business opportunities for people right now to use the AI programs that are available?
0: Yeah. So initially I thought the biggest thing people could, should be doing was like creating like a specific niche use case because this API was brand new. It is so powerful. The OpenAI just literally spent billion dollars to make this model and they just gave it away for free. You can use their API and you can plug it in to any business. So I was telling people to like find like a specific niche use case, make like a public facing website and then sell that. But now I really do believe that it's a race to become the most AI optimized business in your field. What used to take a company 12 people can now take a company five people to do. If you didn't know, mid-journey, that company's only eight people total. And they're doing billions of dollars in use by everybody I know in the AI world. And so it really is like, finding existing businesses that work right now in the biggest markets, and then just going through every single step of their process and finding different ways to automatically integrate the AI into that company. That's what we're doing with a real estate friend of mine, and we've already found a way to like lower his processing time and workforce by 25%, which is not good for a lot of people because that's where we get to the conversation is taking a lot of jobs, but this is the reality of the world. And if you're not the one like learning this skill, how to integrate this into companies, you're next on the job chop- It's all like sunshine and fairy tales to some people out there, but this is the real world. People are not going to just keep employing you because they want to give you a hug. (laughs) That was really aggressive. I don't mean it in a scary way, but like it's business and that's how things are happening right now. AI can write emails. It can write better than us now. It can respond 24 seven. Auto GPT can book my calendar, book my Zoom calls, book my podcasts for me. Why would these companies not be doing that? I have a friend that just lost their copywriting job at a company of over 500 people because they laid off 85% of their writing team and kept 15% because the 85% is replaced by Chat GPT. 15% is going to be just people to revise what came out of that. Our company, we are able to like upload way more articles, way more newsletters and sort so much more information because of the system that we have. We can find one tweet and that's gonna go through a process of tweet to a notion page, to a summary, to an output to be reviewed by our editor in one click when any of us can sort that. And all he has to do is just tweak the output when before that, he would have to read through everything, then he'd have to rewrite it in his own words that took a two hour long process by himself down to 10 minutes.
1: It's a harsh reality, but it's where we are going. And I think you gave a really good anecdote there too, talking about the layoffs and the reduction of workforces. There's all of these things happening right now, really kind of coinciding with the development of AI. And you've seen it the past couple of months, all of these tech companies are cutting their workforces and there's definitely a move specifically in tech to going back to that Leaner style of exactly. growth that so many of these companies, quite honestly, were born out of. They all got their start with just a couple of people. 100%. And then somewhere along the way, people started to build their MVPs and their products with a team of 50 that they were once able to do with a team of three to five people.
0: Look at Twitter. Elon just laid off 80% of their staff and they're working just fine. There's two things I want to touch here. I think we're going into this era where it's cool to have. As little employees as possible. But two, I think the optimistic side of this is that it frees up all of this time of doing like laborious, boring work that was repetitive for people, where now everyone has much more time to be creative and focus on doing work that is actually like interesting or inspiring to them. And on top of this, yes, it's going to cut a lot of jobs, but those jobs really weren't necessary. And so I think we're going to start trending into a lot of people being solopreneurs or self employed entrepreneurs that. Just focus on one specific skill or service that's just higher leverage now with AI.
1: It's a fantastic point around solopreneurs and entrepreneurship because that is something too, even with this business, that I have seen that space just take off because information is so much more accessible to Mm -hmm. a wider range of people. And it's been democratized in a really big way. And I think there's always going to be skills that Mm -hmm. technology cannot replace. It's a new
0: skill, if anything. How do you prompt something to the best outcome possible much more efficiently i don't think ai is going to replace like everybody's job there's like two theories here one is that like now ai can just make everyone much more efficient so then the hourly rate goes higher we don't pay lawyers two thousand dollars an hour right now because it is such a difficult job. It's just because they spent so much time building an expertise that they can do it much more quickly. And so the value that you receive is on average around $2,000 an hour, when really it has nothing to do with the time that they're doing, it's just, that's what you need done. There's only a few people that can do this actual like task for you, and so we hire lawyers. And so maybe with AI, it goes $2,000 every 10 minutes. That value doesn't change, it still needs to be done. And so I don't see any jobs like that being taken for a long time. And then when it comes to like, obviously, Thing in the physical world is not going to be touched like any, any actual like task until robotics get there. But I don't know. I just ultimately think it's like a new skill, kind of like SEO is how I always compare it. 20, 25 years ago when Google was becoming well-known, there was no such thing as search engine optimization before that. And then all of a sudden now there's agencies that literally make millions of dollars every single year doing SEO for big companies so they can rank number one on certain keywords. And so now that's just prompt engineering, but for every single AI tool. You can get two completely different answers from ChatGPT just by the expertise you have in a specific industry. There's a lot of advanced words and a lot of different like questions or contexts you have if you're like 10,000 hours deep in one specific industry, like marketing, you'd be able to ask, give me the best email drip campaign to retarget a customer who added to cart but didn't purchase. If you're a noob and you don't know anything about marketing, you're gonna be like, Write me an email for someone who didn't buy. You're going to get way different outputs. And so the expertise in that is going to make you a better prompt engineer. And that's going to be valuable to companies.
1: The prompting skill itself becomes what is most valuable. And that's something I even heard too with software development. It's not right now, but it is shortly down the future where the person who can prompt AI to spit them out a software program is going to be more valuable in some ways than the person who can build it from scratch. Now, that said, I think that there's always gonna be a place for people who are figuring out bugs that happens within that auto-generated program but it's wild to think about I saw David Heimer Hansen who is the founder of Basecamp and then hey wrote this really interesting piece on building kerosene lamps on the eve of the light bulb basically saying that we're building kerosene lamps right now because that's what we're using we are developing software from scratch because there's still going to be a need for that but the light bulb is coming and that's right down the road so how do we think about the future while still continuing to work on what we're doing today and i thought it was a really interesting way to put that
0: i mean that's exactly how i view like what we do because we have an nft agency we help some big brands integrate nfts in their business and same with ai it's like there are benefits to it right now but on the nft side especially it is not relevant until there's some sort of like critical mass where everyone now uses this new standard And so it's like still provide the core product that you service, but be prepared to deliver in a new way, which is gonna be an NFT. And so it's just like kind of like an educational phase, make sure everyone's aware. This is the kind of the benefits, this is where things go. So be prepared, we're gonna have those ready, but keep doing business as usual. So many people hate change, like humans resist change and they will tie something to their identity. They'll say Bitcoin's a scam, they'll say blockchain's a scam when there just hasn't been like a strong use case yet. The technology is super powerful. It just hasn't been shown to the world yet. And so it just be open-minded and you'll be in the right side of history.
1: Looking at your background a little bit, I was, you know, quite honestly, just snooping around your LinkedIn. It seems likely you got out of college and you went right into entrepreneurship. I see that you'd founded a marketing company, uh, another company called In, and now WGMI Media. Can you tell me a little bit about what that journey was like and this kind of path that you've went down?
0: Yeah. So I had a horrible college experience, not in the sense that it was bad. It was just, I love to learn. And I was like really excited to like become successful. And I was in college, and these people were telling me I'm supposed to go to school, get a job, and that's gonna be success for you. But then I'm looking around at what they're teaching in here, and I took marketing classes and they're teaching me how to run newspaper ads. It, it was so embarrassing. This is like in the prime of Facebook ads that I'm watching all these YouTubers use on drop shipping, making millions of dollars. And I go to my marketing class and they're teaching me how to do stuff on the radio. Like I don't even listen to the radio. Like I'm on Apple Music now. What's going on here? So I'm looking around, I'm like, this can't be right. And so Basically, I just took the initiative on myself. I'm not just going to drop out and blindly shoot, but I started making videos because I had that skill from high school. and started making videos for clients downtown. So every day or every weekend, I would drive 45 minutes to downtown Kansas City to shoot like these weddings or music videos or whatever it could be. So I started my own video agency. Then by the time I was graduating, so when I was like, sophomore year junior year by the time i graduated i was making way more than i would make from my degree which was data analytics so i graduated but with a data analytics degree but went all in on video and then quickly within my first year of video i realized people were taking my videos and using them as ads for their products or whatever and they were converting really well one of my clients was nice enough to show me how good the ad was doing compared to its other ads i was like oh that's really powerful if I learned that skill, then I can pair them and I can make more money. So then my first year out of college, I started doing that marketing agency more officially and started making like a good amount of money in my first six figures in the first year. And then from that kind of transitioned into a full-blown marketing agency where I did media buying, I could do the actual ad creative copy, I'd build your whole funnel. And then I kind of did like a six months of like sales for one of my clients because he liked the way that I did sales on him to close him. He let me practice sales with his company. So that was a really good experience for me. And then that just transitioned into becoming addicted to NFTs one day when I was procrastinating. (laughs) And I started trading and making a lot of money making NFTs. And that kind of transitioned into a YouTube channel, starting a project, starting an agency, education company, and then eventually the media company. So WGMI, where we're at now, basically was incepted as a Web3 media company where we'd cover Web3. But a media company needs eyeballs. And after the whole NFT boom, nobody was looking at Web3. And so it kind of has transitioned and pivoted into just future technologies, Web3, AI, no code, SaaS, whatever's coming for like the next generation, those type of business opportunities. And then of course, we have our agency where we help clients with their Web3 NFT strategies as well.
1: What a journey, man. I wish that I would have heard some of these stories when I was younger. And I got granted, very lucky. I studied advertising in college. I wanted to go work at a big advertising agency, applied everywhere, just flopped. They applied to this ad in Craigslist of all things. If you can imagine that the company just took off and I kind of found myself in this startup SaaS space, but it's weird how that like happened on a whim. I
0: mean, I had the internet at all times. Like I was just glued to YouTube and I was just always seeing like this new make money online trend, whether it was drop shipping, whether it was a marketing agency. So I was constantly exposed to these ideas, but I had such bad shiny object syndrome that I would like jump from business model to business. So, like, I just kind of gave you like the year by year highlights within each year. There was like six different efforts of different side hustles to try to figure it out. And eventually I just had the right skill, right time right knowledge with nfts and that really blew up my channel and then my business
1: how did you learn to become focused on one thing because i think that shiny object syndrome it's something a lot of entrepreneurs are guilty of how do you stay focused now
0: so i think it was an age thing i see it like the younger you are the more like quickly you want success and so you think that if you don't have success after three months that it's the business model and then as you mature, you start to realize like one, what goes into every single venture. You need marketing, you need the product, you need fulfillment. There's just so much that it just cannot be done well in three months. I think I did it so many times where I consistently would make $10,000, $100,000, but I kept getting capped at that range and i tried something else. Over time, I figured like, it is so frustrating to have to go through, make a new LLC, make a new product, New fulfillment, new manufacturers, new marketing, go shoot another video. I was like, why don't I just stick with one and just keep growing on top of that one? So over time, it snowballs eventually. I might not see a big money opportunity because I'm not doing another launch. But I think over time, you can start up new launches within this one company and just branch out. And so I just think it was over time just maturing as an entrepreneur. I have a lot of friends that are worth millions of dollars in their early 20s. And I just see them like on average in between their third to fifth year in business where they see that first seven figure year because they've been building and it's just been compounding.
1: It's phenomenal advice. And I think that the way that you describe kind of jumping from one thing to one thing and then realizing that, OK, at a certain point, if I just continue to put in that effort. And continue to grow even when i think that there's this shiny object over there to the left or the right that's ultimately going to be a bigger output for me than if i am jumping around and my time is split between all of these couple of things i really really love that you put that
0: there's no best business model the best business model is different for everybody it's like what is the best business for you everyone has unique advantages and knowledge and skills that will be way better in one specific business model and so whatever that business model is if you just spend three or four years on that one business, there's no way you're not doing seven figures a year in revenue. Obviously, you want to be a little strategic about the leverage or what's the size of the total market. But other than that, if you just do one thing for three or four years and you have clients along the way, like it's going to be very successful. Just stick with that one thing and keep building it.
1: Love it. So just a few final questions here. And you know, thank you so much, Brett, for all of your time, your expertise. This has been So cool talking to you. Somebody who's so up to date on the AI space. I've been following along, but not to the depth of which you are, you know, running your agency, your media company. So three final questions. The first is what are the most exciting projects that you see within AI right now? So I love
0: what Stable Diffusion is doing. That's an easy one because they're going this decentralized approach. And with that, the business model that they're like doing themselves, but enabling anyone to do the biggest opportunity right now is taking stable diffusions like free models that are totally open source and then going to companies private companies with private data and then training them their own models for their own use case that's like opportunity number one by far another one i like to see is my friends do youtube automation and i like have a video background and so it's really cool to see that these people can now like make entire like storyline like videos that are super high quality with great imagery. My friend does history. He can get an AI voice recording of like Morgan Freeman or David Attenborough if he wanted. And then he can use Midjourney and these other like image models to create images of history that just don't exist anywhere because we only have like a set amount of photos from the 40s, but now he can use AI and it can look really real to help enhance his storytelling. So that's another really cool one. It's kind of tied with the musicians, like the fake Kanye West voice, the fake Drake voice. Music is just going to get so good. So I love that. And then another one, I'm obviously a nerd. And so like CRO, uh, conversion rate optimization, like AI platforms that can now run all your split tests from your Facebook ads to your landing page to everything. There's AI CRO platforms that will literally just do split tests fully automatically in the background. They'll get like right when it's statistically significant and to change the headline, change the body of the description on your website seamlessly. And you can get like eight split tests done in like a day.
1: Cool. No way. I run our marketing here at Motion.io. I had not heard of that. So we paused all of our paid advertising for a little bit. Well, long story short, we did a pivot with the product and we kind of scaled back some stuff for a time, but we're right about to relaunch and start up all of our paid advertising again. And holy cow, like I got to use this because I know I seriously had no idea.
0: Yeah, it's A-B is one of them. And then uh, oh, the other one starts with the E. Oh, I forgot. I think it's like Eval or something like that. But it's just really cool because that was like my favorite thing about marketing is that you can just like make one small tweak and it could improve your conversion rate five percent even though it makes no sense <laughs> but now ai can just do all that for you and just wake up and your website's a completely different color completely different formatting it's like this is fantastic
1: oh my gosh man that's amazing we will put links to all of those things in the show notes along with my second to last question If people want to know more about what you are doing, see your content, where should they go to find you?
0: Yeah. My handle is at the Brett way on most social media or my name, Brett Malinowski.
1: Awesome. And for our final question, when you are not working, what do you like to do? How do you like to spend your time?
0: I'm a huge esports nerd. I love Counter-Strike, which is why I probably like NFTs so much because you could like own those skins in the game. But yeah, I love watching competitive Counter-Strike. I'll go to all the like in-person tournaments. I play with my friends on on my free time. I played competitive in high school, so that passion is transferred. I think that's my ultimate goal is to buy like a Counter-Strike team or something.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Buy a Counter Strike team, don't go uh, public like FaZe did, though. Holy cow, man.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. They're like people like watched growing up. Like, I was really into that whole scene when they were like trick-shotting and everything. And now it's like, I don't know, it got really corporate. But yeah, I would love to buy a Counter Strike team and just care like way too much. Like, be at the events, my team wins, like, take my shirt off, like, get fired up and stuff. I think that'd just be so fun to just like throw myself into.
1: I don't play Counter Strike, but well, I haven't played in a couple months now. I used to play a lot of video games before my son was born specifically age of empires if you can believe that is like my game age of empires 2 and then the fourth one came out i loved that but uh
0: those games are great so you just like are constantly progressing
1: it feels like it's chess on crack exactly and hopefully i get to play again someday soon but thank you so much brett for your time this has been an absolutely awesome conversation just like so fascinating to learn from you hear about what you're doing and yeah, couldn't thank you enough and hope all is going well with the business and excited to see what you have, you know, coming out down the road.
0: Likewise, my friend, thanks for having me. This was a great chat.
1: Take care, everybody. My name is Sam Chalbowski, host of the Designing Growth Podcast and co-founder of Motion.io. If you like this episode, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. It'd mean the world to us and get this podcast out to even more people. Until next time, everybody have fun, good luck, and go crush it.